0: Shabbat shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We're blessed to have you tuning in this Sabbath as we are in the final stage, the final week of the counting of the Omer. And next week we will be gathering for Shavuot on the first day of the Roman week The 50th day, bringing in the harvest, Shavuot. Um, In the chat, we'll see if we can get that link up for you. And you can also find that link by going to to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and just scroll down to the biblical feast section or you can visit us on Facebook. If you're in Oregon and you'd like to gather with like-minded believers, then just show up. There's no need to register. You just show up and enjoy one another's company and fellowship, prayer, worship, song, and of course, oneg. Bring a dish, a kosher dish, and we shall celebrate Shavuot, Yahweh willing, next, next week. This week's Torah portion is Bechah, Coming to us from Vaikra, Leviticus, chapter 25, on the mount. It's an ascent. It's an ascent. And when I was in my 20s, I was an avid mountaineer, an avid rock climber. And I love to go up into the mountains, to the Cascades around here, and climb Mount Rainier, all of the peaks around here. I've climbed them all. And it was absolutely thrilling, and I mean alpine climbing with ropes and crampons and ice screws. I mean, and I would do the treacherous routes and take great risks. And what I came to discover oftentimes is the feeling of just being overwhelmed at the task that was in front of me. Um, The cardio task, the thrilling task, the being gone for, for days. Sometimes I'd be gone for 10 days to climb a mountain. And what I came to discover was the journey of literally putting one foot in front of another and just the breathing and the solitude. And really now I equate that, of course, learning to this week's Torah portion, Bechah. Because it is just a journey, each and every day, one step in front of another. Keep breathing, keep breathing, and don't be distracted by what seems to be a magnitude or a massive colossal force in front of you, if you just keep each and every day, taking that next step of faith, that next step of faith, you will ascend continually and continuously up that mount. Think of where we came from, the valley of a synchronistic religion a mixture and how you've ascended just through faith each and every day to where you're at now that you're here you're studying the Torah portions week in week out there was a time when you were in the valley of religious syncretism that you couldn't see the wood for the trees you didn't even know what the Sabbath was you didn't even know what the holy days are think how far you've come Let's continue on the journey of faith together, brethren, because I tell you what, we cannot be distracted by the task that seems so massive in front of us or the distractions to the left or to the right. We must continue the ascent on that journey of faith. And it is sad. Yes, it is. Oftentimes, you look back and you think about the people that started out on that trek with you. And you're like, well, where did they go? Well, where did they go? Well, you know, oftentimes as the journey gets arduous, people drop off. They give up. And I used to see that so many times. When I was at Calvary Chapel, I was um the leader in the mountain ministries. And you know, we'd take people up to climb Mount Hood, which is a local mountain here. And I remember taking up a retired football player one time. And I said to him, and I really offended him, he's like he was a he was a big guy. He'd played, he was like um still in his 20s, and he, he had um, not retired, I'm sorry, he had graduated from, from college and was now playing for a, a team, was going to play for a team in Florida. And um, he wanted to sign up for the um, mountaineering of Mount Hood. And I remember, big guy. And I looked at him, I said, I don't think you'll make it. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well you're a big guy. He's like, what? I'm super fit. I'm super strong. What do you mean I'm not going to make it? I said, well, you know, it's just physics. I said, you know, you've got to carry all of that up the mountain. I said, I don't think you're going to make it. He didn't make it. Many people didn't make it who thought they were super strong. They had all this muscle and had all, because they didn't have the endurance. You know, it's about endurance. It's the faith that we have the endurance of the saints. So there's many, many things that I relate to my faith from those days that I brought with me. And quite honestly, Yahoo used mountaineering in my life to help me get over the fear of death and to get, help me get over many fears that I had. And it really was a great time in my life, in my 20s, where I really grew in my faith through Alpine Adventures. So this week's Torah portion, you know, I, 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 I've reflected upon that this week as I've been studying it. But let's delve into the text together before I um, beleaguer the point. And um, we'll jump right into Vayikra, Leviticus, chapter 25 and verse 1. And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe in Mount Sinai, Ocha Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto Yahuwah. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and the six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath day of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for Yahweh. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, For it is a year of rest unto the land. Interesting there, if you look in the Hebrew, the undressed vine, that's akin to, of course, the Nazarite. The Nazarite is the undressed vine, right? Lets the hair grow and, of course, abstains from the vine. Same word. Verse 6, And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee and for thy servant and for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, and for the stranger that sojourneth with thee. And for thy cattle, and for thy beasts that are in thy land, shall all the increase thereof be meat. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years." Then, when, then shalt thou cause the shofar or the trumpet of the yovel, the jubilee, to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month, in the day of Keporah, atonement, shall ye make the shofar sound, the trumpet sound throughout all your land, Yom Kippur is the year, the feast of release, but also the day of judgment on a Yah-rejecting society. We're talking biblical feasts are the biblical prophecies of good things to come to those that are in the promises and bad things to come that those are without and that's what we see, the culmination of this book of Va'ikra. You get the good things to come, the blessings of those that are in the camp, but also the bad things to come, the curses of those that are without. And that's how this, the climatic entrance or, or exit, the summit, the pinnacle of Behar, of course, is Va'ikra chapter 26. Verse 11 of chapter 5 says this. In fact, verse 10 we'll go to. And ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a yovel unto you. And ye shall return every man until his possession. And re- and, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Here's a hint Where are we going to return to? Where is our possession? And where is our land? From whence we came, Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. That's where we're going back to. It was already prophesied that we would know the end from the Bereshit, beginning. And our family is... All 12 tribes gathered together. Though you're scattered in the nations of mystery Babylon, he's gathering Israel, your family, together. A a jubilee, a yuvilee, or a yovel. I'm combining my English and Hebrew there. A yuvilee, that's a new one, isn't it? Leviticus chapter 25, verse 11. A yovel, or jubilee, shall that 50th year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed, the Nazarite, for it is a Yovel jubilee. It shall be holy unto you, and ye shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of this Yovel jubilee ye shall return every man until his possession." And if thou sell aught unto thy neighbor, or buyest aught of thy neighbor's hand, ye shall not oppress one another. Verse 15. According to the number of years after the Yovel, Jubilee, thou shalt buy of thy neighbor, and according unto the number of the years of the fruits, he shall sell unto thee. According to the multitude of years, thou shalt increase the price thereof. And according to the fewness of years, thou shalt diminish the price of it. For according to the number of years of the fruits doth he sell unto thee. Ye shall not therefore oppress one another, but you shall fear Yahuwah your Elohim, for I am Yahweh your Elohim. Amen. What a powerful introduction of the scripture. This, of course, we have the Shemitah year, we have the Yovel, we have the release of captives and the return to your possession and to your family. This is the Feast of Yahweh. This is prophecy in motion. There's so much to unpack. Now, the Shemitah, of course, is a land ordinance to give the land rest but it's not something that would be applied outside the land in the dispersion where we are right now. Of course, you know, farmers would look at that and go, well, hang on a minute, crop rotation, that's a good idea. Letting the land lie fallow, that's surely a sensible idea. Yes, it is. Yet the religious context is lost when you're scattered out into the nations. But if you do live in the land, then this would be something that you would implement. now. A half-Tara portion, we see that the prophet Jeremiah, he knew that the Babylonians were coming. The Babylonians were coming, and they were going to take the land. They were going to take the land. Therefore, he wanted to know, well, what possible use could there be in buying land that is about to be given to another nation? So where you and I are currently is the results, prophetically, of what happened when Nebuchadnezzar came in. Because currently, did you pay your taxes on your land last year? Did you pay land tax? What does that tell you? That tells you that you are not the rightful owner. If you paid land tax... A city tax or any tax on your land. That's telling you it's still in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, does it not? Because you, brethren, are afloat in mystery Babylon if you're still partaking of that and of course the Jeremiah the prophet knew that was coming so he was like well what what would be the point in buying land that's about to be given to another nation so so many of us because we've grown up in mystery Babylon we think it's normal well okay you've got to pay your taxes on your land well it's only normal if you're in Babylon it's not normal if you're an Israelite Because it belongs to Yahweh, it doesn't belong to mystery Babylon. Today, we have to realize part of the prophetic awakening is that we are coming out of her, my people, in all realms, not just spiritually, but physically, naturally, and generationally. My children are growing up differently than how I was raised. They're not participating in the contracts of the commercial realm that I was unwittingly led into. Therefore, they get the benefits of freedom. That is something that comes from our Creator because we're going back to the Garden of Eden. We're not supposed to be going back to Mystery Babylon unless you want to be part of the end-time curses. Because how we get the first seven verses, excuse me, the first 13 verses of Leviticus chapter 26 is by turning our backs on mystery Babylon and realigning ourselves to the promises of Israel, which is the Garden of Eden. That's freedom. That's freedom. Today, brethren are living in a fallen reality. And unless you question that fallen reality, you'll be ever entangled by its thickets and thorns. Its thickets and thorns. If a man truly owned land, he would have land and water and air rights. But he doesn't. That would be called allodial title. He wouldn't be paying property taxes. Property taxes are prima facie evidence that man is still a tenant, a resident of mystery Babylon. And each year that you do that, you're presenting more evidence that you're a tenant, a slave to a system that you cannot break free of. Yahweh owns the land of Israel and Yahweh owns me. Therefore, he has the right to everything, and no man has the right to sell any portion of me or where I stand unless I decide to turn my back on the promises and commercially contract with Mystery Babylon. And she will always try to recontract with you when you turn your back. She will always make you a new offer. She will always try and re-engage you in commerce because that is how she exists. And everything is a choice. Everything's a choice. Nobody makes you do anything and nobody makes me do anything. It's all a choice, brethren. Choose this prophetic time of how you shall live. And it will all cost. It will all cost. The connection between the land and a Hebrew slave is that both may be redeemed at the Yovel, the Jubilee. We're all slaves to somebody. I would rather be a slave to Yahuwah and free than a slave to commercial mystery Babylon. I believe we are, brethren, coming into the Jubilee here in Mystery Babylon, in which we do live, we're in the world, Mystery Babylon, but we're not to be of her because we're to be realigned and renavigated to the kingdom that is about to come. We're to go back to our possession, the Garden of Eden, and we're to go back to our people, Israel. Land, redemption, and property. Really, the heart of this portion is what Yahushua was always communicating throughout the Brit Hadashah. Case in point would be Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Turn with me, if you will, because Luke chapter 6, verse 38, takes this whole Torah portion and condenses it down into a few verses of truly what Yahuwah wants to communicate to you and I. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. What's the connection? The connection is between Yahuwah and man. There are vertical commandments and then there are horizontal commandments. Within the Jubilee, the Yovel, and the Shemitah year, there are vertical commandments which are found right here in this week's Torah portion. But also, where was the Jubilee spoken before? The horizontal commandments. The Jubilee was repeated. This is a repeat, I hope you realize. Of Exodus chapter 23. Because in Exodus 23, you get the horizontal Jubilee between man and man. Just like you do in the Ten Commandments. Five are between man and man, and five are vertical Yahuwah and man. Leviticus chapter 26 is the Jubilee of vertical orientation between man and his Elohim. Whereas Exodus chapter 23, is the jubilee of horizontal navigation between man and man. What do I mean? Let's turn to Exodus Shemote chapter 23 and we see the horizontal commandments. And when you take Exodus Shemote 23 and then when you take the jubilee of of Leviticus, Vaikra 26, you get the full meal deal on which hangs the whole Torah and the Prophets. You love Yahuwah, and you love your fellow man, and this is how you get released from captivity of Mystery Babylon. Shemot 23, verse 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness, because those that do will find that they will be afloat in mystery Babylon, and they will have the consequences thereof, the last few verses of this week's Torah portion, curses and death, because they never dealt rightly with their fellow man. Thou shalt not raise a false report Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not get into a riot. Thou shalt not go to some kind of protest. Thou shalt not get caught up in all of this political, absolute Babylonian nonsense. Who gives a rip? That's their system. Let them have it. Don't go to any protests. Don't be in a mob, because if you're in a mob, you will get caught up in the mob, and it's called mob rule or democracy. Democracy is mob rule. 49 people decide this, but 51 people decide that. The majority rules, that's called mob rule. That's a democracy. That is heathenism. This is supposed to be a republic, and we're supposed to be orientated to the Garden of Eden. We shouldn't be taking part in a democracy because that is mob rule. It's absolutely Babylonian in origin. I can't stand any of it. I want no part of it. Look what it says neither shall thou countenance a poor in his cause. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help him with it. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those that spitefully use you. Pray for those that make false reports about you. Because in so doing so, you shall heap burning coals upon their head and your heart will be liberated, your soul will be liberated, and you'll be free to live a beneficial life and free from the curses of what that person that is doing such wickedness shall ensnare themselves. Ask me... I know I've lived a life of false accusations and people accusing me, and it's become so normal in my life that it's like I'm like an oily duck. We just got a bunch of ducks yesterday. That's why you just let it rush off your back because you don't argue the facts, the law, the jurisdiction, or the venue with Babylon. You just let them have their arguments with themselves because it's a controversy that we don't enter into as believers. Look at verse 6. Thou shalt not rest the judgment of thy poor in his cause. Keep thee far from a false matter. And the innocent and the righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. You don't want to enter into the controversy. You want to stay as far away from that stuff as possible. Whatever anybody accuses you of, you just say, excuse me, I hear what you're saying. Could you put that in writing for me and send it to me and I will honor it as soon as I receive it. Thank you very much. Leave it for them to put it in writing and they will attach their signature to it and then they become the accommodation party and they're fully liable for their actions. And you're released from the controversy. This is the way the Bible teaches us to live. This is how Yahushua and the prophets lived. You have something to say? Put it in writing and put your liability on it and I will honor it and you'll be left to deal with it. How about that? Instead, we fight and we argue and where do wars come from? From your own selfish desires because I never forgave my enemy. Because I kept on harboring onto hurts and I couldn't move on from the past. No, forgive your enemies, pray for your enemies, love your enemies. And those that have hurt you, those that have wounded you in your life, let them go. And you'll be free to be the better you. Take it from me. Please, there's so little time and there's so much healing in our lives that needs to happen. verse 28 or verse 8 even of chapter 23 what am i talking about i'm talking about the jubilee of horizontal commandments in exodus chapter 23 man and man because so many times people want to hyper spiritualize their walk and then neglecting the first duties which are the difficult duties the duties of you and me, of everybody I bump into, and all the chaos that bumps into me. Oh, it's easy just to hyper-spiritualize everything, and oh, oh yes, and you know, well, that's just relationship between vertically, well, that, that can be, that's a private affair, it's my own personal Jesus, that's all that we were ever taught in syncretisms down in the valley, wasn't it? It was just a vertical relationship. Oh, it's just between me and Jesus. Well, hang on a minute. That's a counterfeit because the Bible teaches otherwise. First, you put your sacrifice down before you deal with the vertical relationship. And you go deal with the horizontal rela- That's the difficult. That's, that's to really see if you're worthy of bringing a sacrifice. Or is it just a bunch of religious lip service? Because anybody can go to church on Sunday and sing hymns. Anybody can read the book of John. And anybody can pretend that they're a believer. That's easy. Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving's about as religious as Christmas and Easter, is it not? Along with July 4th. It's all secular syncretism. But once you ascend out of the miry clay and you begin the mountain, then you start to realize that it's not just about you and your own personal Jesus. It's about a relationship between you and your fellow man because you have the connection with Yahuwah Elohim. And on this hangs the whole of the Torah. The prophets... All of the commandments hang on these things. Verse 8 of chapter 23. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift bindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. Don't take benefits and privileges from mystery Babylon. If you take the benefits and privileges from mystery Babylon, your ship is a vessel of plunder. Oh, but you want all the mystery Babylon benefits and privileges, right? You want the 401k, you want the social security, you want all of the tax credits for the children, you want all of that nonsense, and then you're going to complain when they come knocking at your door. Well, how does CPS, how come Did you enroll your child into the system? Did you sign that contract? Oh, did you put your child down as a tax deduction? Oh, okay, so you did, you sold that vessel. And now you wonder why. It says here not to do such a thing as this. Because we're supposed to be orientated to the Garden of Eden. But, of course, we grew up in this. But the next generation doesn't have to make the same silly token mistakes that we did. Look at verse 9. Also thou shalt not oppress a stranger... For ye know the heart of a stranger, seeing ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. And six years thou shalt sow thy land, and shalt gather in the fruits thereof. Exodus 23, verse 11. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor and thy people may eat. What they shall leave, the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner thou shalt deal with thy vineyard and with thy olive yard. Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and that the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. I want you all to be refreshed, as I am refreshed. But first we must orientate ourselves back to our inheritance, and we must leave all the curses behind. Now, contextually, obey the Shemitah. How do we obey the Shemitah? By allowing the poor to harvest in your fields, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Why? Because of Yahweh's blessings. Yahushua was teaching us the Torah portion, Becha in Luke chapter 6. How do you get to be a part of the blessings? By obeying the Shemitah. If you're really, really it's not just about the calendar. Oh, it's the oh, calendar, it's the jubilee years, the Shemitah. And then you're not looking after your fellow man. So you're just a religious person. Is that what you're telling me? That's, that, that's what you're telling me. Because the basis of this whole thing is the heart of the Torah is to allow the poor to harvest in your fields. And if you do that, whatever you give, it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over because it's all Yahweh's. He owns the land, it wasn't yours, anything, everything you have is His. It's Yahweh's blessing. And you will eat the sixth year's harvest in the ninth year. Oh, three years of rest. It will come back to you. Because the whole teaching is after three days, three years, the three thousandth year will come the resurrection of your life. You will eat the sixth year's harvest in the ninth year. This is what Yahusha is teaching. Torah portion, Bechah, right there in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He's condensing down the true essence of the Yovel and the Shemitah year. The heart of the matter, brethren, has always been, has always been the relationship between man and his fellow man. This is the exact context within which the instructions of the Shemitah are presented in Exodus chapter 23. The horizontal level of commandments. Whereas in Leviticus chapter 26, we get the vertical element of the commandments pertaining to the Shemitah and the Jubilee. Meaning it's expanded. Behar in essence, brings forth the shadow of resurrection. Shadows of renewed life, all as a result of deliverance from impending death. Think about your life. Think about my life. Everything good that has happened in it is all because I have been delivered, because you have been delivered from an impending death. The land dries out and becomes barren. The weeds and the thistles come in after the curse, after the fall in the Garden of Eden. There were no thorns and thistles and thickets before the fall. And then the first things that grow after the fall are the thorns and the thickets because it's death. But we are delivered, we are redeemed. There is redemption, shemitah and jubilee. And then from that forth comes an abundant harvest. Press down sh- I'm the only one getting this. The shadows, they're everywhere. Bechah. Shadows of of resurrection, shadows of renewed life. It's all a result of deliverance from impending death. Agriculturally, yes, but spiritually, shadows of victory in a renewed life as a result of death. The connections of three years, three days, it's just apparent to me. You get to partake of the the sixth year's harvest in the ninth year. There's the three-year abundance that's given back to you. It's... It's all about living things. When were the first living things brought forth? On what day of creation were the grasses and all of the plants and everything that brought forth seed? They were brought forth on the third day. They were created on day three. What is that telling you? That life, life coming from a state where there is no life, will be on the third day 3,000 years, if you will, or like here, you partake of the sixth year harvest in the ninth year. There's the three right there. It's a really all about resurrection. As we know, Moshiach Yehusha is found in the holy days. The holy day. That is the shadow of Yahusha's resurrection. Is the th- Even the third holy day is the day that Yahusha resurrected, the day of the Omer wave offering, Leviticus chapter 23. So the connection is there, the Shemitah and the Sabbath. I mean, think about it. Have you ever noticed how many miracles Yahusha performed on the Sabbath? It's like he intentionally did it. I mean, when you ponder how many times the scriptures make mention of, of the Shabbat when Yahusha healed. I mean, why? You would start to think he purposely was performing miracles on the Sabbath. I mean, why would he do such a thing? To point to the Shemitah year, to point to redemption, to point to resurrection and to say, Pharisees, it's not all about your vertical, personal, religious relationship with God. Because you become so religious that you forgot your fellow man and the horizontal, com- uh, the horizontal commandments. And if the man needs to be delivered from death or from a crippling disease where thickets and thorns have taken over his body, then why wouldn't I do that on the Sabbath? Isn't it good to do things on the Sabbath? The Shemitah in Leviticus 25 is all about our duty to Yahuwah. Because Yahweh is the true owner of the land. The presentation of Shemitah earlier, this is what I'm trying to communicate. I hope I'm communicating it clearly. The presentation of Shemitah earlier in Shemot 23 focuses on our duty to our fellow man. But taken together, Leviticus 25, Exodus 23, these two passages teaches us to love Yahuwah by obeying his words and to love our fellow man, especially the poor, by treating him as we would want to be treated. So then Yahusha comes along and he takes Exodus chapter 23 and he takes Leviticus chapter 26 and he just communicates it in two verses. And look, I've been banging on for 20 minutes. And he just takes everything that I'm trying to communicate and he boils it down in Matthew 22, verse 37, and says, Thus, thou shalt love Yahuwah thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all my mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto this that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commands of the Shemitah, Exodus 23 and Leviticus 26, hangs the whole Torah and the prophets. It's the Shemitah connection. Man in relationship to the Shemitah, and Yahweh in the relation to the Shemitah and his creation. And upon this, if you follow those two, you're going to do exceedingly well. So the Jubilee, the Yovel, it occurs every how many years? Anybody? Every 50 years. It's interesting that Yahusha came. Fifty generations after Shem, Noah's grandson, isn't it? Fifty generations after Shem comes Yahusha, Meaning that he would come again at a fifty generation. At a generation. We're not to be counting in years. That's where all the calendar buffs get it wrong. It's about the generations. Look at the generations, brethren. Not the years. It's not about the year. That's why I'm banging on about my next generation. Get them out of mystery, Babylon. Stop engaging in those commercial contracts. It's a generational shift. Because that generation, they're headed back home. There's a lost generation out there. There's seven generations. Seven, yes. Seven generations in scripture. Number one. There's a generation of vipers. Number two, there's the wicked and adulterous generation. Number three, there's the judgment generation. Number four, there's a faithless and perverse generation. Number five, there's the requiem of blood generation. Number six, there's the rejected generation. And number seven, brethren, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, there is the chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar bunch of weirdo people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of mystery Babylon into his marvelous light that's the jubilee generation of which I am and you are too but you can't double dip because he'll spew you out You can't live in the public and in the private. You can't double dip. Because you'll ensnare yourself and end up in double dishonor. In Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1. In verse 3, Leviticus chapter 26 in verse 3, if you look in the Hebrew, the beginning of verse 3 begins with an Aleph, the Hebrew letter Aleph. And the end of verse 13, the Hebrew letter Tav. Because bookend between the Aleph and Tav are the seven I wills of Yahuwah. The fulfillment of the seven I wills From the covenant of promise of Genesis chapter 12. So in Genesis chapter 12. Yahuwah speaks to Avraham. And he gives him seven I wills. Avraham. This is a unconditional promise. This is the covenant of promise. It's unconditional. And here's the seven I wills. Right here. Is the fulfillment of that. And it's all bookended in Yehusha, the Aleph Tav. The seven I wills of blessings when you are that seventh generation. The generation of being a chosen priesthood that is gonna orientate itself back to the land and its people, its inheritance, which is the Garden of Israel and the people of Israel. The Garden of Eden and the people of Israel. Right here in Leviticus chapter 26 verse 3 through 13 are the Aleph, Tav, bookend, I will promises that are the bookend blessings that are the fulfillment of the seven I will promises of Genesis 12. But if you don't do it, if you mix and match, if you pick a mix, which is syncretism, just like the church, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, scrap the Sabbath. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, yes, it's all about holiness. Oh, you can't wear a skirt above the knees. Oh, let's eat a pig. Pick and mix. I mean, if you pick and mix, he's going to spew you out. It's religious make-up syncretism. We're not supposed to pick and mix. The church, I'm sorry to be passionate, it was a big pick and mix, wasn't it? Well, I I like that commandment. you like? Oh, yes, that's a good commandment. Let's put that one in. That one's good for our denomination, isn't it? The Methodists, oh, they're crazy. Oh, my goodness, the Jehovah Witnesses, they're crazy. But no, we've got it right because, oh, that's a good commandment too, isn't it? Let's pick that one. Oh, the Sabbath. Oh, no, we don't want to do the Sabbath. Oh, kosher. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. Chuck that one out of the pick and mix. We don't want to pick that one. It's all the same. It's syncretism. And you'll end up being spewed out because Mystery Babylon is a pick and mix. The Garden of Eden is not. It's Kadosh. It's holy. Israel is not. it's We're peculiar, yes, but we are a holy, holy nation. Jubilee is the time of our redemption and freedom. He comes to set us free from our bondage to sin. He comes to set us free from sickness. He comes to set us free from disease. He comes to set us free from poverty. I believe, brethren, that we are fast approaching that 1,000-year jubilee of rest. We can't now finish this Torah portion without me giving you a little bit of nine eleven conspiracy, can we? I mean, we just can't. I mean, I've been so good, but I just feel like I've got to give you a little bit of conspiracy. Will you abide with me just a little longer? Now, chew on this if you like to venture down the rabbit hole with Alice once in a while, which, of course, I do. Think about this in regard to the jubilees and the apocalypse and a conspiracy of nine eleven proportions. Now, the World Trade Center they came up with a stupid idea in 1945. Now, they decided to break the ground of the land in 1966. Then, they actually opened up the Twin Towers in 1973. Now, the alleged terrorists that bombed the North Tower, well, that was in 1993. Then, both towers were destroyed, and we won't get into how that happened, in September 2001. Then the new tower, One World Trade Center or the Freedom Tower, well, they decided to cut the ribbon on that and open that in 2015. Now, what's funny about all of these dates, whether it was the conception in 45, the groundbreaking in 66, the opening of the towers in 73, the alleged bombing in 1993, the destruction in 2001, and then the, rubber, um, the ribbon cutting of Freedom Tower in 2014, all of these years were Shemitah years, according to the traditional Jewish calendar the Zionist calendar. Can anyone say dancing Israelis? I mean, can anyone? I mean, I just did. I mean, what next? What next, brethren? Oh, the sudden death of a president. A market crash. A housing crisis. Maybe even a food shortages. All coinciding with a super variant. Because we're dealing with The jubilee. And like I said, who wants to journey down the hole with me? But I don't want to go among mad people, Alice remarked. Oh, you can't help that, said the cat. Well, we're all mad here. I'm mad, you're mad. How do you know that I'm mad, said Alice. Well, you must be, said the cat. Or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be tuned in listening right now, would you? Now this is legendary. Because the Jubilee, Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. And Yahuwah said, my Ruach shall not always strive with man. The interesting thing when you look at this in the Hebrew, strive is the Hebrew word Dain. And it's spelled Dalet, Yod, Nun, Sofit, as in Dan, as in meaning to judge. My Ruach shall not always Dain, Dalet, Yod, Nun, Sofit, Dain, or judge with man. The Hebrew word there, of course, is Adam. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be, how long? One hundred and twenty years. The Hebrew word there for years is shana, spelt shin nun he, which means a division of time. So what that really should be interpreted is as jubilee cycles. As jubilee cycles. Yahweh will not judge man until 120 jubilee cycles are completed from that point. Now, remember, at that point, one jubilee cycle had already passed since creation. So, Alice down the rabbit. The 121st Jubilee cycle started Tishri, October 1974. Now, according to, this is just history, it's just a historical book, and I've, you know, teased about it quite often, Sefer Yovel, the Book of Jubilees. It records the Jubilees and the first Jubilee cycle as Tishri 10, 3907 before the Common Era. So then the next Jubilee cycle then would start when? Next year, Tishri 2023. So from 1974 to 2023, Yahweh is no longer constrained, if you get what I'm laying down by the knot, He's working to bring about the end time culmination of all things coming to pass. And that's where I think we're at, Alice. Will you have tea with me? Anyway, that's all I've got for you. Think about it. Just think about it. Just say Very exciting times, just saying, just saying. Death of a president. Just saying, just saying. Don't don't mind me. It's all comedy. It's all comedy. Alright. Is anybody still remaining? Or did I spook you with that last little bit? Well, I'm quite excitable, aren't I? Let's see what you've got to say in the chat. I bet you Chris De La Rosa has figured the whole mystic plot out. Just saying that, too. Let me refresh the screen. Not to be with top chat, but with all chat. Live chat. All right, debt's cancelled, yes. No, don't start with that nonsense, Nisara Jisara, please. Okay. Living well with living food, says At Matthew, dancing with wolves. (laughs) Dancing, Israelis. Noble Viking knows what I'm talking about, don't you, Noble Viking, obviously. Shabbat Shalom, Carlos Guzman. And Shabbat Shalom, giant killer up there in Snohomish. And Shabbat Shalom, emissary of Elohim. Emissary of Elohim, I think, has a clue of what I'm talking about Two. All right, let's see. The Libby tube, Shabbat Shalom. She agrees with you, Mickey, whatever you said. We all agree with you, Mickey, whatever you said. Libby says, I find it perplexing. If we are his royal ambassadors, it seems like we are no longer part of this world. Amen to that. Living well with living foods, that would be the Jewish calendar. That's why I was, uh, I, was I brought that up. Uh, if you want to grab my attention, you can always um, redline me. Oh, there you go. Much more truth, Shabbat Shalom in Texas, in Texas. A lot of people move into Texas. Oh, the seven generations. Could I repeat the seven generations? Yes, certainly, certainly. Let me get my uh, seven generations. Seven biblical generations of prophecy. Number one, you've got your generation of vipers. Number two, you've got your wicked and adulterous generation. Number three, you've got the judgment generation. Number four, you got the faithless and perverse generation. Number five, my f- my favorite, the requiem requiem of blood generation. Number six, the rejected generation. I feel that that generation is the generation that I get to interact with often, don't you? The rejected generation, so sad, and so sad. And the final generation, those that wake up and come out of the rejected generation is the chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a very weird and strange Israelite group of peoples. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah Elohim. Hallelujah. Now Katie, Shabbat Shalom. Katie and Kevin Nita up there in the land of of, uh, Washington. No mountain climbing here. Just lots of plowing of path to avoid switchbacks. I'm sure there is a spiritual significance. Exactly, exactly. Switchbacks are good. Sometimes you have to go a little longer to get where you need to go because sometimes it takes a little bit more travel, but you'll cut through deeper. That's the meaning right there. Lovely. Caitlin, Grant, so what is your belief in how many years the end times last? Well, three and a half years from the time of inception when, of course, the man of sin is revealed. Have we got to that yet? Not yet, but I think we're on the threshold. Seven years of since the beginning of Jacob's trouble. Um, isn't tea only for two? Chris ah, not in Alice of Wonderland, it's not. That's the wonderful thing. I used to watch that so many times, but we won't get into that. Anyway, Emissary of Elohim, Waikra, Leviticus 24, verse 2. Command the children of Israel that they bring to you a clear oil of pressed olives for light to make the lamps burn continually. And that's what we're to do. That's what we're doing here, pressing down, shaking, and making those lamps burn continually continually oh I see what you're saying living well with living foods thank you for clarifying no I didn't think bad things anyway dancing with wolves was to the Jews who call themselves Jews but are not not directed to you Matthew thank you but I didn't even think that anyway I thought, I thought something else I thought you are being a comedian which you kind of are actually so anyway I don't get offended it's very difficult to offend me Oh, here's a good one from Brad. Shabbat Fellowship. The reprobate Bukowalski said endurance is more important than truth. I do not agree with this, but I believe it takes plenty of endurance to get to the truth. I like that. It takes plenty of endurance to get to the truth. Oh my goodness. Very interesting. Christy. Christy says. Ari death of a prez. I had a dream Trump suffered a heart attack and his son Don Junior was shot. There you go. That's a very mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Christy. Requiem. I think you spelt Requiem right there, Libby tube. Requiem Operation Warp Speed, April 29th, 2020, from Sean Allen Vickers. <laughs> Giant Killen talking about Chris De La Rosa and his weapons again. Yep, yep, yep. Guys feeding off one another. Love it. Super funny. Super funny. Next weekend, Shavuot. If you're in Oregon, come, 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 gather, gather, gather. And if you are not in Oregon or a little further away, then please go to, to com forward slash connect and find a group near you where you can congregate and celebrate Shavuot together. And if you still can't find anyone, you can always join in on Shabbat Fellowship next Shabbat and make those connections the day before Shavuot. So lots of opportunities for you. Gather together. Those of you that do support the ministry, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for your generosity and stewardship over the years. It's absolutely astounding to me. The things that we've gone through, the growth that we've gone through, and the amount of people that we get to meet and minister and minister to through this broadcast is astounding to me. It truly is. It just shows you how hungry Yahuwah's people are. And apparently, allegedly, there's a lot of you in Texas. So I think people are starting to migrate from Texas um, to Texas. Um, so anyway... Those of you that are there, let's make that a Torah to the tribe's stronghold. I know we've got some strongholds, good strongholds, as in like Invincible down there in South Africa too, and even some over in the United Kingdom. So anyway, tribal brethren from the land all over being gathered together. This, I believe, you guys, we are that chosen generation. Stay strong. Keep holy and remember, it's not just a vertical relationship. The difficult times is the horizontal relationship and working on that to get that right so that you can truly, truly bring in a harvest of faith that will affect everybody that you are around. Yahweh's blessings upon you and Shabbat Shalom. Stick us some nice comments in the comment section and edify one another and we'll hopefully see you Next Sabbath, shalom.